Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Doing good. How about you? Good. I think we have this intro down. We do. It's always the same. You and we're always me doing old. good. Yeah. That's well, nice. I always change it up. You never know if I'm going to call you old, if I'm going to call you dear, or any other number. Dear of- old hag. That's what I'm waiting <laughs> for. My dear old hag, Melissa. I'll make sure to throw that one in the mix. Perfect. <laughs> couple quick announcements. We kind of have our Threadless store on pause for now. We're trying to merge stuff over. And we finally realized, hey, Mandy creates all of our posters for the show. Why aren't we making Mandy make our designs for t-shirts and stuff? So she's trying to get the creative juices flowing. I hate that term. I hate that term too, yeah. (laughs) But that's what we're doing. And then we're going to try and uh, merge our shop into another one. Turns out it takes a lot of time. Turns out we don't have a whole lot of time. Right. So we're, we're moving at the speed of a snail? I mean, something slower than a snail. Yeah. Something barely a alive. Slug? Something, whatever's on life support is what we're <laughs> moving at the speed of. Um, we also have our Patreon account, patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast. If you want to hear some bonus episodes, we'll have a new one up for this month, hopefully in the next week or two. The last one we did, we recorded two times, both times the audio crapped out at us. But guess what? We had the Patreon funds to buy a new mic. So yay, it's yay. all come full circle. Yes. So thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And we are going to kick the night off with a 
Yeah, it's daytime. It's mid mid afternoon, <laughs> but we're kicking this portion of our day off. Mandy, what is today's episode about? Today's episode is going to be about Zeb Quinn, a teenager who um, kind of mysteriously vanished in the Asheville and North Carolina area. So, as I said, Zeb was eighteen. He was born on May twelfth, nineteen eighty one. He was the second child born to his mother, Denise, and he became the new best friend to his sister, Brandy, who was just a little more than a year older than him. Growing up, Denise described Zeb as being shy and sweet and what some people may call awkward. He was a bit smaller than the other kids, and he struggled in reading comprehension, which honestly, being smaller than other kids and kind of just having his own learning style really reminds me a lot of my oldest son. Yeah. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. He is a joy and a delight. But that's what – whenever I was um, listening to Denise talk about her son, it kind of reminded me a lot of the way my son is. So yeah. I kind of related to that a little bit on a motherly type of level with having a kid that was kind of like that. So in high school, Zeb was kind to everyone he met, and he joined the ROTC program at the school. And he aspired to be in the military, but he really took ROTC very, very seriously. He was very passionate and dedicated to that, wanted to use it as a jumping-off point for his possible lifetime career of being in the military. In addition, Zeb was also a hard worker, and he took a job at a local Walmart in the electronics department. He was just a part-time employee, but he would often work extra hours and a lot of times it would add up to like full-time work. That's what his mom said. He was a part-time worker with full-time hours. So he would take on all these extra shifts and kind of sometimes would work as many as 40 hours a week, even though he was still in high school and had all these other things going on. So he was a very hard worker. At 18 years old, Zeb had saved up enough money to buy himself a newer car. He had been driving an old Mazda protege, but he had his sights set on a Mitsubishi Eclipse. A friend and coworker named Robert Jason Owens had told Zeb about an eclipse for sale in another town and had offered to come along with Zeb to check it out. One night after Zeb's shift at Walmart, Zeb and Jason set out to do just that. The two were seen by fellow coworkers in the parking lot getting to their own separate cars and driving off with Zeb following Jason. It was 9.15 p.m. when the teens pulled into a gas station and could be seen on surveillance footage entering the store to purchase some sodas before returning to their cars and pulling off again. While following Jason, Zeb received a page on his pager from an unknown number. And guys, I had to go back and look. Did you not know what a pager the, was? No, I knew what a pager was. <laughs> but I guess, you know, it's one of those things where you – I was thinking as I was reading it, I was like, what year was this in? Yeah, yeah. And then I read that it was in 2000. And I guess, like, when you think of the year 2000, it feels like it wasn't that long ago. In but the year 2000. It was. <laughs> It was a long That's time a Conan O'Brien reference that Mandy did not get. It just went over my head. I'm All just laughing, I'm giggling, head. and just pretending like yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. But no, you know what I mean though. When people say um, like two, whenever they talk about even like 2003 or 2004, and you're like, well, that was just a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, then you realize quickly, yeah. That, like, when you do no. the math, like, whoa, that was almost two decades ago. Yeah, that yeah. was a very long time ago. So I was taken aback by the pager thing, just because I, I guess it's just hard to imagine, like, you a know, world with pagers. <laughs> Without smartphones, you yeah, know, yeah. even though, you know, it, you're such a millennial. I know. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. It is. <laughs> so according to Zeb's family, the best way to reach him was to on that pager of his and he would always return the calls um, just a short time later. So when this page came in, Zeb flashed his lights at Jason to signal that he needed to pull over. 
So once they were on the side of the road, Zeb went up to Jason's window to ask if he could borrow his cell phone, but Jason told Zeb that he did not have a phone and suggested that Zeb could possibly just drive up the road a little ways, maybe back towards that gas station they came from, and look for a payphone. Which um, you could not do now. No. You would you be driving <laughs> to Mexico to find a right. payphone. No, there's no such... I mean... Are there payphones? I don't think so. No. I honestly don't think so. Maybe. What would, what would Superman do? If if now no <laughs> Superman used to go into a phone booth to change into his clothes to save the world. Like, what does Superman do in these new comics? This is a real problem. I don't even like comic books. Just go. So Zeb got back in his car and he was going to go do just find you know just that find a phone that he could use to uh, return this page that he had gotten that he didn't know who it was from and told Jason to just stay there on the side of the road and that he would be right back. So 15 minutes passed and Zeb came speeding back up to Jason's truck. He was so flustered that he accidentally rear-ended Jason uh, as he was approaching from behind you know to return and he told Jason that he really had to go. He had to bail out on this plan to go look for a new car. Um, that something had come up. Jason said he was really agitated and frantic and just said that he had to go. So according to Jason, this was the last time he saw um, Zeb. And Zeb just got in his, tr- his car and drove away. Earlier in the night at around 9 p.m. when Zeb's shift at work was ending, Zeb's mother sent a page trying to get a hold of Zeb to see if he wanted to get a late dinner with her. Zeb did not respond to this page, but his mother assumed that he was working extra hours again and possibly didn't see the page or wasn't able to call her right away. She went home and had dinner with her boyfriend instead of waiting, and she paged him again later in the evening. When Zeb failed to return the call again, his mother Denise began to worry and started frantically calling around, asking friends if they had seen or heard from Zeb. The night went on, and Zeb's mother barely slept even though she tried. She said she woke up every hour or so, would send another page, and then tried to get some rest. I cannot imagine. I get panicked if I just can't get a hold of my husband. You know, if he's either – I mean, the one story that you know of that I can think of that, you know, the feeling you get. Um, My husband was on a road trip with his boss. They were going back and forth to Miami, and my husband's phone actually died, and he didn't bring a charger uh, don't know why, that he didn't have a cell phone charger. So his right. phone died. And so I knew they were on this long drive back on highways and stuff. And like all of a sudden I realized like he wasn't returning my texts. And then I would try to call him and it would go straight to his voicemail. So I can just really relate to that panicked feeling that you get like when you can't get a hold of somebody and you should be able to get a hold of right. them. Um, so I just cannot imagine, you know, his poor mother all through the night and keep waking up and realizing that he hasn't returned the call and he hasn't come back home and you don't know where he is and it's out of character. I honestly can't imagine any more of like just a panicked feeling that you would have. And the second you call the police, it's real. You know what I mean? Until then you can kind of tell yourself. It's something else. Something else. mm -hmm. Like he's doing something or he's not getting my pages. And the second you make that transition from just talking yourself through it to making it making a phone call it's real so I can see where you're just like I'm just gonna keep trying I'm gonna keep trying I'm gonna keep trying with an 18 year old right obviously kid small kid it's different so I like at first I was like oh my gosh I can't believe she made it through the night but then I do get that kind of separating yourself from it right kind of not be so freaked out So the next morning, everyone was worried, including Zeb's sister, who agreed that Zeb's absence was out of character for him. And when it got to be around 3 p.m. the next day, um, after he went missing, there was still no sign of him, and his mom drove down to the police station to file that missing person's report. 
So police began investigating, but initially they just didn't really have a lot to go on. Um, Two days after Zeb's disappearance, though, there was a strange phone call that came into the Walmart electronics department, and it was a person claiming to be Zeb saying that he was sick and wasn't going to be able to come into work right that day or that week or whatever they said yeah. you know was the case. So one of his coworkers was named Patty, and she was who picked up the call in the electronics department. And she, of course, knew immediately she was not talking to Zeb. Right. And uh, she was actually smart enough. This is back in the day. Super of, smart. Yes. So she knew, I guess, that that phone that she was talking on in the electronics department didn't dial out. So um, in order for her to... This was back in the day with Star 69. Right. Everybody remembers Star 69. You could immediately dial that after a phone call and find out what number right. the most recent call came from. So this is before having caller ID. And this ID. is back when people would like prank call people and right. do all that stuff. So if you wanted to figure out who was calling you or your crush calls you, that did not happen in my case. No. But if somebody <laughs> was prank calling me, you dial star 69, it tells you the number of the person that just called you. Exactly. Unless you dial star 67. <laughs> first, which blocks the call. Which blocks it from When the... you call your crush. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want them to know. <laughs> and then they can't do star 69 and call you back. I don't know any of this. I I remember all of this. those things from like my teenage years and or three-way you, calls and all of like, that you'd be all silent of that. on yeah. there to hear somebody likes you they didn't it's yeah. the whole thing yeah my it, was, was it was the whole thing the garbage. so anywho so patty um she knew that she couldn't dial out on this phone from the electronics department so she kept this person who said they were so Zeb on the phone and she like i guess this is one of those really long corded yeah. corded phones you know and i've seen the ones where they have like the spiral Oh, yeah, yeah, cord yeah. and they can stretch really long. So that's what I imagine she was like walking to another part of the store. On a portable phone though? She could have been. <laughs> she could that have probably been. makes more sense instead of like a Napoleon Dynamite style phone going from room to room. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing, like a go-go gadget. No. Like extension cord phone thing. Okay, so anyway, she took this the phone with her. This was a lot her. longer of a description She than took it the phone be. with her to another department and um, where they did have a dial-out phone. And so as soon as she hung up, you know, she was like just asked questions and trying to keep this person on the line so that the phone wouldn't ring again and then she wouldn't be able to dial back the number right away. So she was able to do that and dialed star 69, found out that this um, – found out a number a source for this phone call and when they traced it back they looked the number up um, or however they I don't know if the police did it or if some whoever whenever they found out that it was a number it was connected to a Volvo um, plant like where they have I guess where they make the cars right so that's what the number came back to so Patty called Zeb's mom. She didn't really know what to do. She called Zeb's mom just to let her know, like, listen, I got this strange phone call. I'm not sure, you know, what if you what you want to do with this information. Well, of course, Patty was like, we're definitely need to call the police and let them know about this, and you need to talk to them and give them any information that you have or what the person said or anything like that. But she said at that moment she really did get concerned for her son's safety because if it wasn't Zeb calling, then who was it and why were they calling you right. know, his job trying to do that and, like, what had they done to him or where was he? What do they know about him, about him you know, right. and, and his why are whereabouts? They trying to cover it? Right, exactly. So she called the police immediately, and the – Rumor kind of started going around Walmart because now keep in mind, Jason also worked there with Zeb, his friend Jason, that he was going to meet that night. And so everybody who worked there kind of knew both of them. They had seen them both together that night. And it just so happens that some of the coworkers from Walmart 
had known from pre- uh, previous conversations with Jason that he also worked for Volvo. And so they were like, hmm, well, that's kind of, you know, as they start piecing things together, you know, people talk in a workplace. And I think it kind of was one of those things that kind of developed, like the realization developed over time that, oh, well, that's kind of convenient that he was the last one that we right. saw Zeb leaving with. And we got this phone call from this number. And it just so happens that this guy works there too. So they kind of were able to give that information to police. And I think that kind of helped things along a little yeah, bit with the case. Sure. That was kind of like a big deal, a big a big break for them. So at this point, police immediately take action. They went to find Jason and question him about the phone call to Zeb's place of employment. When asked why he called and pretended to be Zeb, Jason told police that Zeb had asked him to. Police then began to press him for details about January 2nd, the day Zeb was last seen. They knew that Zeb clocked out at Walmart just after 9 p.m. and was seen leaving the store with Jason. Jason tells police the story of that night and how Zeb had gotten a page and appeared agitated and frantic before bailing on the trip to look at the car. He told officers about how Zeb had rear-ended his truck, but that he had agreed to handle it later, and that then Zeb drove off. Police began checking into Jason's story and learned that he had called into work late the next day after Zeb had disappeared. They also discovered that he was apparently involved in another car accident, different from Zeb's rear-ending. No accident report was ever filed, despite Jason claiming to have sustained a cracked rib and a head injury in the second accident. Police were immediately suspicious of Jason being involved in two separate accidents. When they checked his truck, there was minimal damage. Police thought that Jason's behavior was odd, and they began to consider him a suspect in Zeb's strange disappearance. So all of this kind of starts getting weird from this point. I would say that, um, you know, Zeb having the page and everything was weird, but then things just continued to get more weird after this. And so for the... The whole thing that he got in this accident with Zeb rear-ended him, and then he also had this other second accident, I guess I didn't really see anything in my research, though. Did anyone even look into, like, was the story about him rear-ending, Zeb rear-ending him, even true? Like, they said that his truck had minimal damage. I didn't recall seeing anything that said Zeb's car had front-end damage when they found it, um, eventually later on down the story, but... I don't really, I don't know. Like, I guess they were just taking Jason's word that that happened. Yeah. And, or maybe that was just a cover story. I don't really know that. It just seems weird to me that he. But what would be the point of that? Even if that's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you say that doesn't seem like a very important part of the story that he rear-ended you if he didn't rear-end you. If that's not true. I know. And if he already got in another accident, that would explain why his truck was messed up. You know what I mean? Right. None of that. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make a lot of sense. We're not investigators here. No, we're sure not. Jason wasn't the only friend of Zeb's under police scrutiny. They had also learned of another person who had become very close to Zeb in recent weeks. This was a girl named Misty, and Zeb had taken a liking to her. They met at a Christmas party about a month prior, and although Misty downplayed their relationship to police, Zeb's friends and family said that he was absolutely infatuated with her. His sister said she thought it may have even risen to the level of love, being in love with her, and he just really thought highly of her and wanted more of a relationship with her, according to his friends and family, from him gushing to them about what a great person he felt like she was and that he wanted to spend more of his time with her. So that's the impression that he gave to friends and family. So Misty told police that they were just acquaintances. Right. They didn't really have a relationship to that level. Um, However, 
that could have been because Misty had a boyfriend and a baby at the time. So, of course, she's not going to be like, yeah, me and Zeb have been getting really close. And, right. you know, because she, of course, has to, like, save face, you know, in some way. Now she has her this boyfriend, yeah. you know, who could potentially find out about any kind of relationship she had with another guy. So right. I can kind of see why she would downplay their relationship yeah. a little bit. But that is an important thing to keep note of. Um, so when Misty's boyfriend, whose name was Wesley – Got wind of the relationship between Misty and Zeb. He, of course, was angry. But Zeb and Misty kept talking in secret anyways. They would do the Star 67 phone calls and the, you know, hide the numbers and still be contacting each other back and forth, paging each other or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how it worked in 2000, clearly. Wow. <laughs> I, AOL Instant Messenger, lots of... Yeah, AIM. Yeah, AIM. <laughs> lots of thinking about my boo away messages. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. So two days before New Year's, Misty stopped communicating with Zeb entirely. When Zeb kind of started getting worried and he called to check on her, well, he forgot to dial star 67 to block his number. So that was a rule he had always kept for himself to avoid being caught by Misty's boyfriend and all that. So Zeb was scared. He hung up the phone, but he knew that he had like messed up and that it would he was worried about what might happen if Wesley found out that he was trying to get in touch with Misty. Right. So he had even expressed that to his parent, his grandma and his mom basically had said, you know, I made a mistake. I accidentally called her and didn't block the number and even told them that he was kind of scared of what might happen. Yeah. So, but the reason he was is because Zeb had told them that uh, Misty's boyfriend was not the nicest person. Yeah. And I don't know what the dynamic was with that relationship, but because of that, Zeb was concerned about what Wesley might do. Right. If he found out about this 
yeah. relationship or friendship or whatever you want to call it. The more kind of like we heard about Zeb and um, his family and just kind of really about him mostly, at first I was like, why are you messing with a girl that has a boyfriend? But I really truly in my heart of hearts feel like this girl was nice to him yeah. on some level and he may have created in his head to be more than it was, but it was somebody that was nice to him. They talked a lot in what we read that he didn't really have any friends. So if he has somebody showing attention to him, he's not this creepy, terrible guy that's trying to break up a family. I think he just finally finds somebody who's nice to him, which right. just breaks my heart. I know. I'm I not about a like homewrecker situation whatsoever, but <laughs> I can see how this would happen and he would just like latch on to somebody that's nice to him. Yeah. Police were hesitant to believe Misty's story that she and Zeb were merely acquaintances. And when they asked where she was the night Zeb was last seen, Missy told him she was at home with her boyfriend's parents and a woman named Ina who was going to be starting a business with Misty's mother. Perhaps the strangest and most coincidental piece of information is that Ina just so happened to be Zeb's paternal aunt. So Zeb really didn't ever have a relationship with right. his father from the time he was pretty small, so it's small town. You just don't – people are always connected. If you have ever lived in a small town, you're always with somebody's relative that you know. It's just kind of how the it, world It is works. just interesting though Very that interesting. out of all the people that Misty's mother could have been starting a business with, it just so happened to be a, the aunt of Zeb. And right. so that is kind of strange circumstances if you ask me and especially because he didn't have a relationship really with him. he was kind of estranged from his father's side and you know of course knew that his aunt lived in town but it's right. not someone who he had a lot of contact with or right. would go and meet up with and see a lot or anything of that nature it's an interesting person to have your alibi from to right yeah that closely related um to the situation when police questioned Wesley, he confirmed that he was at Misty's parents' house that night, and while the two had a solid alibi, police still considered them persons of interest. Well, as we know from other cases, you don't always have to be there. Remember, there was another case that we did, Kelly Clayton. Oh, yeah. And he had a solid alibi, too, the husband. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he had people saw him at the poker game or at other places yeah. where, you know, whenever she, something happened to her. So just because you have a solid alibi, it doesn't always mean that you're not involved. If you have, just because you have an alibi for that time period. Right. You know. And vice versa. Sometimes it does mean that you have a solid alibi and you're and not you're involved. Free and clear. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, just for detective work or sake of that. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, they can't rule it out just because someone's like, yeah, she was having dinner at my house. Like, yeah. That, that doesn't mean that you're just off the hook, yeah. you know. Which I'm screwed if people ever need an alibi because what's my excuse? I'm at home. What's my next And thing? who can vouch I'm for me? An eight-year-old four and a four-year-old. Yeah. yeah, come on. <laughs> and they'll probably lie and say I wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> so as part of their investigation, police looked into the mysterious page that Zeb had received that evening. They learned that the page came from his aunt's house. Mysteriously, the same aunt that was at Misty's parents' house that night. Right. So as I said, this is very odd because he didn't have a close relationship with his aunt. Typically, there would be absolutely no reason why she would be paging him or needing to get a hold of him. So that was something that kind of raised some questions for a lot of people. I think even Zeb's mom and family. Right. Like, why was she paging Zeb? What was it that, you know, and then according to Jason, that Zeb was really agitated when he came back right. after learning of this page. And so what was said to him whenever he called back the number, you know, what what was it that uh, – 
Zeb thought he was going to go be doing. Right. Where did he think he was going? Why was he having to leave what he was doing and go do yeah. that? Did you know? I would love to know what was told to Zeb in right. that you know in that phone call and what was the reason for that page. So when police questioned Ina about the page, she of course said that she did not page Zeb. She told police that she had been at Misty's parents' house that night with Misty and Wesley, just as they had all said. But in another strange twist, Ina later filed a police report alleging that her home had been broken into that same night. She reported that nothing was missing except her pager and some photo frames were disturbed and nothing was stolen. Nobody's taken a photo frame. No, very strange. So police were running out of avenues to go down and Zeb's mother continued to go to work as a nurse in the local hospital. So one night, while working her shift, she got a call from someone within the hospital that worked down in the medical records department. It was a young girl who had known Zeb, or at least known of him, knew who he was, and she told Denise that on her way into work that day, she had seen Zeb's car, or what she thought was Zeb's car, in the parking lot of a barbecue joint called The Little Pigs, and it was just right across the street, or right very in close proximity to the hospital where Zeb's mother worked. I'm not a vegetarian, but the barbecue name Little Pigs seems it's a, a turn little off. <laughs> I have to admit. That's a little rough for me. It's a and slather some pigs and feed them to me, but don't tell me I'm eating a pig. <laughs> so things get even more bizarre when police arrive to find Zeb's Mazda protege parked in a very conspicuous location near the street. There was a drawing of lips on the back window that appeared to have been done in lipstick, and inside the vehicle was a live black puppy. The headlights were on, and the vehicle's windows were cracked. Police also found a hotel key card in the car, but after an exhaustive search, they were unable to identify the hotel that it came from. This is what? so weird. If anything about the story I have to pick as the weirdest, I have to say that the circumstances that his vehicle were found are the weirdest part of this case. The lips on the back window, I honestly have no explanation for. The puppy, even weirder. Yeah. I just don't even I just don't even know where you where you'd even start with that. I yeah. And I had read a lot of different conflicting things. I had read um, on a few sources, they said that his car was found two weeks after he went missing. But then on a couple of other sources, they had said that it, his vehicle was found on January 6th, 2000, which was just four, four days. days later. Yeah. So I'm not exactly clear on when the vehicle was found. It was either four days later or two weeks later, which is a huge difference, I know. But um, yeah. honestly, I've read multiple sources that say both. So I'm not really sure. But um, somebody obviously wanted them to find this vehicle with right. lights on, with a dog parked, you know, dog in the car. Then you're, somebody's going to want to save the dog. The lipstick thing is so I don't so get confusing. it. I do not get it. But also I wonder if you, like, it's one of those things where could you be, I don't know, like, a, it makes it seem like it could be a girl, but also it almost seems like you could be framing a girl right. at the same time because right. it just seems so obvious, like, why would, I don't know, why would a girl do that? Why would you ruin good lipstick for starters? I just don't get the lips. What do they mean? It has to mean something. But that's where I'm thinking, like, if somebody's trying to frame somebody else and they're using lipstick, then you're thinking, you see lipstick, you typically think girl. And so, oh, well, then a girl had to do with this. Meanwhile, a guy's getting away with it because you're now turning your attention to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think police are that, like, easily, like, confused. Like, oh, well, must be a female. There's lipstick on the window. (laughs) Let's go eat at the little pigs. (laughs) 
A week after Zeb's car was found, a couple contacted the police claiming that they had seen the vehicle in the downtown Asheville area before it was found in the parking lot. The couple was brought in for an interview. A sketch artist worked with them to get an idea of who they saw driving the car. The sketch bore a striking resemblance to Misty, although some may argue that the sketch artist already knew of Misty and her appearance and that could have persuaded her sketch. That's a good point. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a valid point. Because that was one of the arguments I had come across that people were like, well, sure, they already knew what Misty looked like, so how do we know? Are they saying from like the news they already knew what she looked like? Well, I guess people involved in the investigation had either met up with her or they knew who she was or... Oh, and you names know what have I been mean? out and stuff, and so right. it would be very easy to describe somebody that's a person of interest. And then you that just draw sense. this person that you've already seen before. You know what I mean? So, A hundred percent. If you literally showed me any picture after I saw somebody else, I would that's describe them. that yeah, person. That's yeah. them, yeah. I would be Exactly. I know. So months passed with no new developments, and Zeb's case went cold, leaving his family with countless questions and very few answers. Detectives attempted to track down the origin of the puppy found in the car, but were unable to verify a source. One of the detectives on the case eventually adopted the puppy. And one thing that I found interesting and really smart is that the detective had the dog's DNA preserved. And he said that because even though, you know, of course the dog's not going to live forever, it won't be around forever, but they don't know if that dog's DNA may be the thing that kind of ties the case together one day, whether they find that same DNA in a certain location or, you know, it's a puppy. So if it like shedded its hair anywhere, I mean, it's totally feasible and possible that it could, you know, you could find more information because of the dog's like DNA that was left somewhere or something along those lines. Think of people who, you know, investigators 40 years ago who saved like pants and how do they know stuff. i know it i always it blows my mind i'm like how do they even know to save that because obviously yeah. they knew that they didn't have the technology at the time but how do they know yeah, like, like that somebody be yeah, yeah so super, crazy super smart. in the fall of 2001 jason owens resurfaced police had attempted to pull him over in a routine traffic stop and jason sped off and fled sending me police on a high-speed chase Genius. Yes, that never goes well. So at some point in this pursuit, Jason fired a shot out the window in the direction of the police car that was on his tracks. And he was arrested and sentenced to four years for charges related to that incident. And I thought that was very bizarre because a gun was involved. So I don't know what the laws are like or were like back in 2000 in North Carolina. But here in Florida, if you pull out a gun, that's automatic 10 years. If you fire a gun, even if you don't kill somebody, that's 20. And then if you actually... Life. And then it's life. We've learned or about 10, 20 life forever. since we were born. Right. So, like, you can't just pull out a gun and start shooting at a police officer here in Florida and no. get four years. No. Like, that's not going to happen. You're going to be in the slammer for a lot longer. <laughs> the slammer. I just wanted to say that. The slammer. I'm glad you got that out. I did. <laughs> So Jason was interviewed numerous times over the years and was always considered a person of interest, but police had nothing solid to tie him to Zeb's disappearance. He's always maintained his story of that night and claims to have no idea what happened to Zeb after he received a strange page and left that night. In 2007, Jason was sentenced to six weeks for charges of drunken disorderly and resisting officer. He was charged with habitual impaired driving, which is a felony, and sentenced up to two years. In the same year, a warrant was issued for ground-piercing radar searches on his property, but those searches turned up no results. In 2008, he appeared in court again on yet another charge of evading police due to drunk driving. Goodness. That's all he did. He just drove drunk and ran away from the cops. Man, this guy needed Uber, but Uber was not invented yet. (laughs) 
This should be where the story ends, but unfortunately, there's more. Jason found himself in yet another huge scandal when Christy Codd and her husband Joseph were reported missing on March 15, 2005. So Christy was known for her appearance on The Next Food Network star. Were you a fan of that one? I No, cooking shows don't really do it for me. There's not enough drama. But I think she was actually <laughs> related to a country singer as well because her country singer that I hadn't heard of was like – very behind trying to find out who did this to her. Okay. I'm going to consult Google while Mandy talks. Okay. So Christy was five months pregnant at the time that she was reported missing. Well, as it turned out, Jason Owens was the couple's handyman. And when police questioned him about their disappearance, he stated that he had accidentally run them over with his car and panicked. And apparently, according to police, what he told police, he tried to take Christy inside and give her life-saving measures, you know, CPR and all of that. And, um, but he also said that the husband, Joseph, was just too far gone. He was already going to die, so he did not try to render aid to him. Um, but that's the story that he went with and told police. So he further told police that because he knew he was not supposed to be driving due to previous convictions, he panicked and tried to dispose of their bodies rather than just calling for an ambulance or for help. So this is extremely disturbing. He burned Joseph's body in a wood stove, and the next day he returned to the Cod residence and dismembered Christie's body before placing it in the wood stove also to be burned to dispose of her remains. Over running them over? That's like an easy call. You've already gone to if jail 5,000 times. If you even believe that times. story. I know. But you've already gone to jail 5,000 times for driving. Like, like one, Yeah. I don't know. Dismembering I guess, somebody? Right. That goes a little bit beyond like I had an accident and I hit somebody with my car. Well, and isn't it really bizarre that you would just admit to this stuff so freely? Like, if they don't yeah. have anything on you and you're just admitting to well, it? I mean, I don't know how much persuading it took for them to get, like, yeah. any of this information. I don't know <laughs> if he just sat it, right it down. Was like, was just like, I have a story to tell you. Yeah, no, I think I'm sure he tried to cover it up at least as much as he could get away with, but um, it, you can't. Eventually, they're going to ask you all the questions they need, like, answers to, right. and you're probably going to tell them. For the record, I think it was a different person whose country star cousin – was murdered or vice versa. It was a different country star who had her cousin murdered. All I knew is the Food Network thing. Yeah, Food Network. Some of you may have known about her from there. Um, but yeah, same guy, Jason Owens. So following the couple's deaths, Jason sold the couple's belongings and sent texts from their phones alleging that they were sick to buy himself more time before people began asking questions. So clearly he mm. is – that sounds very similar to what he did in Zeb's disappearance. He Allegedly. called his job and, you know – Said he was sick and, yeah, you know, all of tracks. that, covering mm -hmm. his tracks. So it definitely does make you wonder, um, what are the chances that somebody who was such a key player in Zeb Quinn's disappearance turns up for murdering a couple, like, years down the road? Yeah. That's just, you know what I mean? It's crazy luck that guy has, huh? Yeah. Like, I mean. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? Well, one thing I had read about – um when they were talking about motive for murder really for either of these things is um, like if Zeb did have money on him the night he was going to look for a car, he may have been carrying cash on him. But how much is it really going to be? He's 18 years old and he's going to buy a used car. It's not going to be enough money to kill someone over. 
many people have killed people for like a burger and I depending know. on the day i understand <laughs> but <laughs> no but people have, people kill for all kinds of reasons they if you have something that i want not me particularly and you don't have anything i want we're both in the same crappy boat but people kill over that kind of thing it's not a number amount really i it's- guess that for me the hardest part and like this is why this case is super fascinating and i go i go down rabbit holes anytime i get into cases of disappearances or anything, I really do get really invested in in those, especially ones with strange circumstances. Yeah. And so all of it is just so weird to me to think, like, how is the aunt involved in this? Like, supposedly her house got broken into, but the page definitely came from her number. Does she know more? Was she involved? Was the Misty involved in her boyfriend? Or was this all Jason who had this plan and did something to Zeb? And then these are all teenagers. How? Where? How has there been no discoveries? How yeah. have they not found anything? No clues. Nothing to lead you know lead them to Zeb. Whatever the case may be. Yeah, they're eighteen. I couldn't have pulled off something like that at eighteen and, and done it well enough to get away with it. Like what happened? Like it just drives me crazy. I just want to know what happened. You know what happened after he drove off that night? And was that really the last time Jason saw him? And yeah. like, is that true? Like, I just wish I knew everything. Well, typically in these kind of cases, you have, say you even have two suspects. One of them makes a whole lot of sense. And the other one's like, uh, they were in the same town at the same time, but nothing else. You know what I mean? Like there's not some huge motive or anything like that. But here you have two separate suspects and they both kind of make a lot of sense. Whether obviously it's only one or the other, but it's kind of scary because do they have the right person? Is the wrong person still out? Like, you just don't know. So you want for the family not to have close, I mean, you want closure, but we know that's not really possible if you've lost a loved one, but you want them to have some kind of an answer. And who knows if they'll ever have an answer. And the thing that broke my heart with this case so much, like the whole time we watched, um, an investigation discovery that was on that. And I'll link to that in the show notes, but it just seemed like he was a really trusting kid who really just loved people and wanted to fit in and all that stuff. And as like on the mom side of things, totally breaks my heart. Like oh, that yeah. it's just, it's more than my heart can take this whole story about him. So I really hope the family gets answers and whoever should be in jail is in jail. And yeah, this is a bummer. Jason Owens was sentenced to up to 74 years in prison for the murder of the Cod couple. In June 2015, detectives on the Zeb Quinn case announced that they had uncovered new evidence that may be related to the case. In a search of Jason's property, they located fabric, leather materials, and unknown hard fragments under a concrete fish pond. They also found numerous bags of pulverized lime or powdered mortar mix. Officials did not confirm whether the hard fragments found were human remains or if they believed they were Zeb's remains, stating that the investigation was still ongoing. I honestly cannot wait to find out the resolution of that because yeah. um, obviously they haven't released that yet. Like they said, it's still ongoing, although that was in 2015, but there wasn't any more recent updates that, yeah. um, that I could find out there. So we still don't know what it was that they found or if they knew they're not saying um, they could be putting a case together against um, Jason with some of that evidence that yeah. they found. So um, I don't know. I hope – you don't ever want to say like that you hope that that's what it was, but on some level you do. This poor family has gone through nearly 20 years now and not had a clue what happened to um, to Zeb. So like you said, it would almost be – I feel like knowing one way or the other 
is better than not knowing. Yeah. You know? Ultimately, you want the best. You want him to be living on an island somewhere, and he's really, really happy, and he has this great family, and his life is all perfect, and he won the lottery and just couldn't share it. That's what you want it to be. But realistically, that might not be the case, and so the family really does have to prepare themselves for it being something not so great. But then... If you know, right. you kind of know how to grieve, for lack right. of a better word. Like, are you grieving for somebody that's missing or are you grieving because you've lost somebody? I don't know. As I can't even talk about being a mom in that situation because no. it's too, too hard. But, man, my heart went out to her the whole time, like, listening to her and ugh, just I can't me. imagine living, though, that. That has got to be torturous to, like, just to wake up every day and just not know. You just don't know. And I would have so many questions and I am not even close to this case and I still have so many questions and still just want to know what happened, you know, what happened the rest of that night. I would, I want to know what happened and who is responsible and, you know. I'm going to try and say this part without crying and I don't know if I can, but one of the hardest things for me to hear was when the mom said, when people ask me how many kids I have, I always hesitate because I have two but if I say two and I can't say where the other one is, like, you know, I have to explain it. And, and that opens it yourself up. up. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so, but, you know, you don't want to deny you have this other child and just, oh, I never even thought of that, right. like how difficult that has to be. So, again, my heart goes out to that woman and I hope they get answers for their family. So, thanks for listening and being bummed out with us. Yeah, this is a really sad one, um, but we'll definitely update if any updates come available. Yeah, we'll for sure. We'll post about them or talk about them. Thanks for listening to our episode on Zeb Quinn. We'll be back next week for a new episode. Not sure what we're covering, <laughs> but you'll find out in a week. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Hey, it's Jody from the Reality TV Podcast, your source for smart and snarky reality TV recaps. Let me be your inner voice as we cringe watch all the shows we love and love to hate. From Bravo, WeTV to TLC, MTV to Lifetime, and even those documentaries that we love on Netflix. I watch it all and break down all the fine details that have you screaming and crying in laughter. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app by searching Reality TV Podcast. Join the Reality TV podcast Orchard of Snark on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Reality TV Pod. Can't wait to meet you and laugh with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.